This one time in Italy, my family ate pizza for three and a half days, morning, noon, and night. That's right, 12 meals in a row, an incredible, if senseless, feat by any standard. So how does one go about finding 12 pizzerias in Naples to make the 12 meal series worth those calories? Believe it or not, finding perfect dough, cheese, sauce, alchemy in Old Napoli can indeed take more than a stone's throw. This tale is one of kismet and or sheer luck. I was leaving Barcelona for Naples on a Friday evening and had scheduled lunch with a restaurateur friend from New York on Friday afternoon. It turned out that this associate had just flown in from where else but Naples the night before. It also turned out that this associate had been in Naples to meet with who else but the guy who pens a yearly roundup of the best pizzas in all of Italy and chief among his cities, Naples. Alberto was the pizza guru I never knew I needed. Based on Alberto's latest list of places not to miss, we ate the best of the best in pizza's spiritual homeland. We ate classic margarita pizza. We ate surprisingly cheeseless marinara pizza. We ate fried pizza and we ate dessert pizza. We ate small pizza and gigantic pizza, traditional and avant-garde pizza. People, we ate flawless pizza. The four of us, over 90 hours, 30 pies. And nobody said it couldn't be done. My name is Howie Southworth. I travel, I eat, I cook, and then I write fancy words about all of it. My cookbooks are loaded with wild stories and fabulous bites, and I've shared plenty of my own adventures. But now, I want to hear somebody else's for a change. Sauced in Translation is a timely podcast spanning the globe of food, spinning tales of lavish meals and epic gastronomic failure. Join us for some well-deserved armchair globetrotting. Let's get saucy. My guest today is Stephanie Bonner. Stephanie is the modern model of a scrappy content creator living and hustling her way through New York City. Highly trained actor, part-time director, aspiring writer, promising producer, and lifelong goofball. One can easily search her up on IMDb for the laundry list of acclaim and accomplishments, but to my mind... The most important tidbit comes from Stephanie's own website, which notes that she can often be found, quote, dancing around the kitchen, pretending to be the host of her very own cooking show. Now that strikes a chord. Here's our chat. Stephanie, speaking of food and drink, (laughs) you and I met over baby bottles filled with red wine, no? We did. We did, didn't we? Which was weird. (laughs) Not something that everybody gets to say. Uh, it's so true. And that was, I mean, that was at ITV, right? But was it like, but where? Like, what that, was, I, I can't remember the event. Like, there were so many random events. And I remember it like, like it was yesterday. This was the Independent Television and Film Festival, the ITV Fest in uh, Vermont back in 2014. You were there uh, as the cast uh, of a web series called Mythos. Yeah. And I was, I was an early fanboy. And I was there. <laughs> I was there screening the original iteration of Sauced in Translation, a web series where I cooked American yeah. food across China. 
And we were in a tent opening yeah. reception sponsored by a company, uh, a production right. company, Mom, Mom Cave. Cave. Mom Cave. And Mom That's Cave brought right. a bunch of baby bottles and filled them with red wine to ply us. And it was awesome. And it worked. I was st- standing in the tent. I remember as if it was uh, its own film. Open the doors, out swings the cast of Mythos, and uh, my jaw dropped, and, and the rest is history because I got to know each and every one of you. Each and every weird one of us. <laughs> well, Mythos, you all you all played like gods and goddesses, right? Yeah, that's got to do something to your ego. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Did it stick? Also, speaking of food and drink, I normally start this part of the conversation with folks, uh, you know, about the Corona times and how our food lives have been upended because we can't travel and we're all home so much. But according to a very active social media presence, you've been all over the map. What's up with that? I have, um, you know, with COVID in the winter, um, we, uh, in New York City, indoor dining closed in January. So we lost our jobs again. <laughs> so the, the second time it was sort of like, what are we going to do? Like, you know, sitting in like, I feel like the first shutdown, we didn't lose too much of our minds being locked in a room together because we have an outdoor space. But it's been such a cold winter that we kind of decided to pack up the car and take a road trip. So, uh, yeah, we traveled out towards Vegas and I'm from California. So initially we kind of thought we might travel towards California, but California was in such a rough place where they were on their second <laughs> like shutdown. Yep. So we skipped California. Um, yeah, but we went from New York City. We went south and then we went west and then we went north and we came back east. Wow. And I don't often get to ask this question, particularly because I end up talking to most people about what they've done in their own home and what they've learned to cook and banana bread and sourdough and all that good business. Right. Uh, but what, where, where was the best stop along this map? And where, where did you eat? What did you eat? We never had any plans. So we were just sort of going how how the wind took us. You know, we would um, hold on a second. Who's, map- who's we? Oh, me and my fiance and our dog. <laughs> It sounds like a Seinfeld so, episode. You were forced to say, <laughs> yeah. you didn't say Corey. You said, my fiance, my fiance. Have you met my, my fiance? fiance? My fiance. This is my fiance. Oh, my fiance. Oh, fiance. fiance Corey. Can you bring me some more <laughs> champagne, please? Yeah. <laughs> That's actually the third beverage I have. I have my coffee, my water, and my champagne. <laughs> well, it is 11, 12 in the morning. Absolutely. It's it's basically brunch. <laughs> yeah. So we, we never really had a plan. We just uh, kind of like the day before we would make, the plan for the next stop. And so we were in Nashville and which we have great barbecue in Nashville. Um, but as we were kind of making our, our way, I think we hit um, hot springs after Nashville, but we stopped in Memphis because we had Googled like, you know, just what are the best lunch spots? Like, where should we go? The big hit among uh, the Google <laughs> and, and Yelp was this place called Elwood's Shack. And it is truly hard to find there's not really a sign for it you kind of drive along what feels like a main route and it feels like it's like behind a Lowe's or it's like in a Lowe's parking lot <laughs> so <laughs> you just sort of drive it's like there's a big gas station there's a Lowe's and then you, there's this tiny little storefront and it's this like sandwich spot it was so good I can't it, I had the best sandwich I've ever had wow. I, I think both of us did we were both so shocked at how good it was. And everyone was so friendly and it was so funny. I walked in and, you know, 
with COVID, we were obviously so cautious about like, how do we get, how do we, you know, what do we do? So like, I, you know, I walked in and they had outdoor seating and, uh, you know, you order at a counter. Uh, I was looking at the menu. It's a big menu. So that was very overwhelming. And also kind of scary when you see a, too large of a menu, you're like, the, is this going to be good? You know, I told him, so I looked at it and then he, he basically circled all of the things that he thought I should order. He's like, this is the best. This is the best. This is the best. And then he asked me where I was from. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm a New Yorker. And so we had a big laugh because we had a whole laugh about sweet tea versus like in the South versus like up North and it's a typical <laughs> conversation. Very typical. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah where do so you fall laugh, on the sweet then- spectrum? Right. Yeah. Well, I ordered sweet tea because I thought it was only fair. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, we got these two sandwiches and it was so, I don't even know how to explain how good it was. Like the bread was so good. The filling was so like, everything was so good. I got a po' boy and Corey got, I don't know what Corey got. We can't remember what it was called or what was in it. It was like (laughs) Andy sausage. It was just, it was, it was delicious. And he told me, he told me it was going to be the best lunch I've ever had. And he was right. Best sandwich of your life is a huge, huge statement. And I'm a sandwich person. Like sandwiches are my thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, so you yeah. can be a, you can be a judge of not only ingredients, but in my in my case, I judge a place more on structure. Yeah. Right? It keeps itself intact as you're mm-hmm. eating it. And that's as important or if not more important than the stuff on the inside of the breads. Now, let me ask you this best sandwich of your life to quote you. How did it hold up structurally? The sandwich totally fell apart. Oh, so see that that would have taken it off my list. I see that doesn't bother me. I guess like if it's good and the ingredients were so good and the bread was really good, but the bread tasted so fresh, you know, like when you get that fresh bread that like it's sometimes a little too you know, like it's not crunchy enough or it's not stiff enough to hold the ingredients in. That's okay. kind of what it was like. It felt like just freshly baked bread with, uh, I really wish I could remember what was in it. It was like pulled pork. It was, it was so good. It wow. was so good. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I would say if that were me, that may yeah. have been one of the best meals of my life. But if I had to run and get a fork, it ceases to be a sandwich. You you understand what I'm saying, right? So I do. I just use my hands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Which I'm yeah. sure is not like the, but the you most would, COVID But you would thing. agree, and maybe you would disagree, but I think that you would yeah. agree that if you were to take a bare hand and go yeah. and grab some pulled pork off of your platter, that mm-hmm. it, your sandwich experience ended minutes ago. Because it's no longer a sandwich. It's Aha. a platter. Aha. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Right. To honor the Earl of Sandwich, right? Who created, well, mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. In, by folklore, created this thing when he asked for two pieces of bread to keep his hands uh-huh. clean. So we can continue to play cards. If he were to have grabbed a piece of pulled pork, yeah, he would have marked the cards and been killed probably because in the in that day you were killed if you cheated, right? I'm making that up. Yeah. But what do you think about you know like when you eat something like let's say a burger and like when you bite into it and it's so juicy that it just like drips down. Like what if what if the bread what if the sandwich is still intact but it's just juicy? Okay, that's a very very good question. I think all right. So the sandwich itself is intact, but for the materials that are now dripping down your arms. Yeah. Okay. I when I uh, so that part is on the eater. That is okay. the, a, a master tactician uh, such as myself <laughs> with a sandwich would rotate when I acknowledge where it was most likely to breach, you see, see. so if I'm, Mm -hmm. if I'm paying attention to my sandwich, I'm an active participant in the activity of eating the sandwich. I can rotate and see where it's about to pour and then go to there. It's like, it's like an ice cream cone. If you think about the analogy being an ice cream cone, you, you don't, 
you don't willingly let an ice cream cone drip down the cone, the ice cream drip down the cone. You, act, no. you actively turn it and lick, right? So if you're actively so, turning the sandwich as if it's an ice cream cone, you're never going to run into that. So I can say safely, uh, Stephanie, I have no experience in that realm. And Elwood's, I, I assume that's in reference to the Blues Brothers. I mean, you were in Memphis. Yes, we were in Memphis. That's what I, how I, I gathered it. And, and did you not go to a rendezvous? We didn't actually spend any time in Memphis other than to grab lunch. Yeah. Yeah. We, we had spent a couple of days in Nashville and then we were driving through Memphis. Yeah. One does not merely pop into rendezvous because it's a very, yeah. very popular place. And, and you often have to wait multiple uh, uh, hours to get in. So it's, right. it's not the lunch pop in. <laughs> That's the thing. Not the lunch pop in. There were a couple other places similar on our, our, our drive, especially like those kind of barbecue, like any type of barbecue spot where it's like, it's gone by 2 PM. <laughs> oh yeah. So, no, that's, it's, it's a common thing, but yeah, you, yeah. It's, it sounds like you guys got lucky. The stars aligned and you pulled into the Lowe's parking lot and you got your fill of, of, and I will give this to you. Best your, sandwich your, ever. Your best first couple of bites of sandwich in your life. First couple, first couple of bites of sandwich ever. Okay. So, I mean, even if it's not a sandwich, <laughs> If you can recall the last time you left the country, do you recall what you ate? The last time I left the country, I think I was in Greece. I think that was my last, my last big trip. And I do, I do remember what I ate. I mean, we ate so much. I was thinking of this as like, like it's so much of like Mediterranean food is just so different than what I'm really used to eating. So it was a lot of like the kind of meat on a stick, which is delicious. But we went to this one restaurant. We were in Naxos, I think. Okay. Um, and we had just gone like kind of driven around the island. Naxos is a very quiet island. I don't know if you've ever been, but never there been. isn't. There's not a ton going on. There's like a, a kite surfing area, which is like what the big draw is of Naxos, I guess. So we were driving around, just kind of checking out the island, and we pulled into like there's like an olive oil. I don't know an olive oilery. What do you call? What do you call an <laughs> olive oil? <laughs> like a distillery? I don't know. I don't know what you call it. Do you well, know what you call it? I'm going to call it a squeeze. Dispensary? It's a, a squeeze. Yeah, they, they were squeezing the olives. So we were, we kind of checked that out. And then we saw this little restaurant. <sighs> Would you call it a restaurant? I don't, it kind of felt like someone's house, but there was a menu. So, but it's all in Greek. <laughs> Couldn't read it. But we walked up and, you know, it's, it's like this big open space. And, you know, they kind of asked me, did you want a table? And we said, sure. And we looked at the menu, but they were like, no, 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 don't look at the menu. Like, you know, come and look at the food. This older woman, she like kind of, she ushers us over. So basically she's just cooking. Like this kitchen is kind of like right in the open and she's showing us everything that she's been making that day. And it was like, actually like rabbit and there was all kinds of like vegetables. And so she was just like, you know, like a lot of bread and like cheese. And she's just like, this is what I have. What, what you know, pick what you want. She had like stuffed peppers. We're like, yeah, okay. So we just kind of like picked what we, what we wanted. Mm -hmm. She's writing it down. And then we go sit back down. And then I don't know, like 15 minutes later, she brought it out. It was just so good. <laughs> it was so like, I can't even tell you really what it was because I don't know what it was, <laughs> but it was just like plates. And I'm pretty sure it was like a, like a rabbit do <laughs> so my so my first comment is you don't know how common it is when i when i talk to people about their more interesting travel food stories that it starts with we walked into what i thought was this woman's house yeah 
it's a it's a very common refrain and it's a it's a thematic uh i think around the world and in a lot of countries uh, the latest greatest i heard about uh, that it was in italy and this uh, my guest uh, talked about the fact that she walked into a, a room that above the door actually had an osteria sign that was not lit up the neon was dead uh, and she walked in and, and still i was convinced that it may have been a woman's house <laughs> So my next comment is really a question. So when you you walk in and you see all these ingredients, you see that the rabbit, yeah. you see perhaps other uh, uh, other proteins, you see a bunch of fresh vegetables, and it's all very beautiful because a lot of the, these places operate like that, right? This is what I yeah. found at the market today, and this is what I'm doing. And this was is the, what we're selling, yeah. Was the assumption that as you're picking these things out, that this cook was going to cook everything in its own dish or was the assumption that she was going to put it all together in a thing? So in its own, I assumed in its own dish because some of it had already been kind of cooked as well. Like stuff that like she knew like that was going to take longer to cook. Like some of it was already kind of pre-made. The stuffed peppers were like, seemed like they had been pre-cooked. And I, uh, again, I don't know what they were <laughs> stuffed with, but it was delicious. <laughs> um, she had eggplant, like stuff that I just kind of assumed was going to come in its own separate, which it did. It came on all sorts of different platters. I have only been to Greece once, but I am a huge fan of eggplant. And, and, and to me, my, you know, 72 plus hours in, in Athens particularly was like mm -hmm. a, a purple blur. It was a blur of eggplant because I could not get enough. Every permutation yeah. of eggplant I just consumed. Like we would sit yeah. down at a restaurant and my wife and my kids would be like getting souflaki and getting the pastizio and all these yeah, things. And I yeah. go right to the eggplant section and I'm like, this, yeah. I'm going to get the grilled and the, and the stewed and the baked and the, and the, the this and the deep fried <laughs> eggplant and the moussaka. And it was it was like a field day for eggplant lovers. Love, love, love. By the way, if allowed, I would never turn the topic from eggplant. I could go for hours, <laughs> hours and hours and hours. Eggplant. Turning the corner slightly. Do you have a favorite travel food story to tell? And what is that? I've sort of, you know, thinking about it, like so much of like my travel is food centric. I, I feel like I center everything around food. So anytime I travel, it's less about, I don't know, going to like places that, I don't know, that magazines talk about. It's more about asking locals what they like to eat and then trying to go there. <laughs> New Orleans is really one of my favorite favorite food stories. I, they were sort of, I was like in the garden district and it was just a really beautiful day. And I was with one of my closest friends and we were wandering around and we stumbled on this, like this sort of really beautiful, like elegant looking building. And I was just like, Oh, let's just like, see what it is. Like there was a patio and people were sitting outside. And I was like, yeah, let's just go in, you know? And so we walked in and it's, I mean, it's, it was a hotel. The, it was one of those really beautiful days. And so it just like, we sat outside and we got some drinks. <laughs> I just remember I wasn't that hungry, but I wanted something to snack on or like I wanted something small. And so I ordered a cup of gumbo because it seemed like the right thing at the time. So I ordered a cup of gumbo and it was, it was so good. It was so good. My, the server, I remember her name was Ashley and she was so sweet. So I ordered a cup of gumbo and you know, it's like this tiny little cup. I devoured it. And then she comes back at like, you took bust the table. And I was just like, you know what, can I get another cup of gumbo <laughs> and she was like oh sure I ordered four rounds of gumbo I'm not even <laughs> kidding and to the point where she was just like do you want to get a bowl of gumbo you don't have to keep getting cups of gumbo 
<laughs> and I was like, no, because I kept thinking it was going to be the last one, but it was so good that I just kept eating it. It's never the and... last bowl of gumbo. Come on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> The last time I was in New Orleans and we made a point of everywhere we went and we only ate out. Uh, we were there yeah. for three days and every restaurant uh, for lunch or dinner, we had nine different gumbos and we yeah. were by the end, you know, just highly critical of this one and very, you know, right. we were aficionados <laughs> about this one and this one was you know a little so much too more. smoky and this, this was a little too thick. And, and I'll tell you, and this is not an advertisement, but emeralds in the quarter was by far really far and away the most exquisite specimen. And I'm not, I'm not kidding, man, this, it, it blew us out of the water. And it may have been the fact that we also uh, got the kids to try their first alligator uh, uh, ever. And so that was yeah. probably, that was probably part of it. Like I said, context has everything to do with it, but so far as gumbos go emeralds, man. So you don't yeah. remember the name of this restaurant, but I, I need you to find a photograph and find what Google Maps says it was because I, I, yeah. I need to go there because if you, you were, if you were yeah. strapping yourself to the trough of gumbo, it's got to be worth yeah. it. But the, the thing is, it was their gumbo of like or their like whatever their special gumbo was. So I'll be curious if it's still if it's still around. <laughs> like, Isn't it funny uh, how your how your stomach just kind of opens up when you when you have yeah. exquisite food? You're like, you know, it's an afternoon. We're going to get some cocktails and maybe I, I should probably have a little nosh. Right. I should yeah. have a little nosh. But then once the nosh begins, if that nosh is excellent, you're like, yeah, and, I'm going to have another yeah. nosh and yet another and yet another. And I kept doing it. And I knew that we had dinner later, too, because we went up um, another restaurant in New Orleans that was recommended. And it was called Giacomo's. Have you been to Giacomo's? <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. As you're as you're saying this, I'm, 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 I'm trying to find a way in this conversation to bring up Giacomo's. That's so funny. I'm not I'm not kidding because I was I want to talk about the alligator cheesecake. I was going to say the alligator cheesecake. Well, because you said alligator. And so the first thing I, I thought of was the alligator cheesecake. Oh, my God, Kismet, we're yeah. both fans of New Orleans. And if yeah. you are a fan of New Orleans and you haven't been to Jockeymo's, you're not a fan of New Orleans. It's true. You know, it, it did take us a while to wait for Jockeymo's who doesn't take reservations. Right. So, yeah, we, you we, just have to show up. We showed yeah. up. We were there for an hour and a half. Uh, we probably got a did cocktail the down the street. We did not. We ate in the dining room. Yeah, you ate in the dining room. I've eaten at the bar and the dining room, but I've always wanted to eat in the truck. But so, I think that's the hardest table to get. So I will say but their, their alligator, my first alligator of, of yeah. all the alligator I've eaten. And I, I actually do love genuinely love alligator. I find it to be a different protein than, than a lot of other things. And I do yeah. not think that it just tastes like chicken. I think it tastes like alligator. Alligator cheesecake was the most inventive thing I've had, I had had in a long, long time. But my God. So was that the thing that brought you to Giacomo's? Because it was me. No, it really wasn't. So when we were sitting at this bar called Coops, which is in the quarter. So a friend of ours in the city, their friend runs that bar. So we're like, oh, we'll go check it out. And then we were there, just happened to be talking with the bartender. And what she had recommended, she's like, this is something that you need to do Tuesday night. You need to go see Rebirth. And then you need to go next door to Giacomo's. How often do you find alligator cheesecake <laughs> on a menu? <laughs> so, so we sat at the bar, we ordered with alligator cheesecake and then like a fried chicken platter, which was also delicious. And then every, every time we're in New Orleans, I always recommend, I'm always like, we need to go to Giacomo's. Like you have to go. The Giacomo's has a, a fantastic menu. Uh, their, their, their standards uh, are, are all there. All the hits are played on the menu. Uh, they have a great yeah. jambalaya. I do love their gumbo. That thing that most surprised me is not 
only the alligator cheesecake, which astonished me and my wife, Jessica. Uh, that was the first thing we had as an appetizer. We shared it. I think we yeah. ordered another piece because you just <laughs> can't get enough and you can't believe that you just did this. And it's yeah. like, like you say, it's one of those things that you can't not get because it's there to. on the menu. You're like, what the hell is an alligator cheesecake? But what you don't order the bread service. Do you remember the bread service at Giacomo's? No. Okay. The cornbread that comes. Oh, yes. The cornbread. Oh, my the God. Cornbread. The cornbread. So they take the cornbread. They take a skillet of scalded butter. Yeah. And they pour it over the cornbread and it sizzles. So- and you're like, oh, my God, yeah. you just created the biggest sinful bite that I'm about to have. I want to know if you have a worst travel food story. So this is going to be like a weird, because I also just said that New Orleans was my favorite food story, but it's also my worst food story. For the longest time, we would go to New Orleans like every six months. So we would go for Jazz Fest and then we would go again for like, it would be around Halloween. And like what they had was Voodoo Fest. New Orleans was packed. I don't think anyone knew how big that Voodoo Fest and the combination of Voodoo Fest and Halloween was going to be. And this is a couple years ago. And I think it was only like, it was like, it's still a newer festival that they were holding. And so, so we stayed where we normally stay and we tried to go to all of our places that we would normally go, but like, there was no food in new Orleans. There was nothing, like nothing, nothing. Shocking. Like every time you would walk into, I know it was shocking. Every restaurant we went into, they were like, things crossed off the menus. Like we don't have this. We don't have this. We don't have this. Wow. And I just remember thinking like there was just nothing available. There was nothing. I remember we went to a restaurant, sat down and we waited for 30 minutes and no one came. No one even said hi to us. And I know there was only one guy. And so I'm not even trying to like throw that guy under the bus. Like he was stressed. It happened. I wait tables. Like I get it. We were all service people, right? All industry people. And so we were sitting there and we were just kind of like, okay, it'll be fine. Like it's fine. And so we like got up and left. Every restaurant we went to, it was like so much was 86. They were like, we don't have gumbo. We don't have jambalaya. We don't have like all of the big staples they were completely out of. I remember we even walked all the way out. So like we were staying in the Marini of like the quarter, like in that kind of area. Mm -hmm. We walked out towards like the Bywater because there was supposed to be this barbecue place that was like really great. And and we got there and they had like two, they were like, we have chicken. Wow. <laughs> I was like, well, guess we're having chicken. You would think a place like New Orleans would scale, right? I mean, they, they, they have things like Jazz Fest. They have Mardi Gras. They have these yeah. festivals throughout the year. You would think that they would scale. And I guess in the, in the beginning years of what's Voodoo Fest, that, yeah. that they just didn't think. How does a New Orleans city planner not think it's going to be popular? Right. And it's, you know, it's Halloween. So it was just a, co- I feel like it was a combination of these two things that like everywhere we went, there was just like nothing. There was no food. <laughs> wow. When you talked about uh, sitting at a restaurant, just basically being ignored by the staff, I had these, these flashbacks of Paris and I have opinions about Paris, but I won't get into it. But what <laughs> you're talking about is actually this symbiosis that the staff at the time had with the lack of food. They're like, we don't know what to do and neither does the menu. So we're just going right. to ignore it. Just ignore it. Just ignore it. They had nothing. Away. They had nothing in their arsenal. They had to. That that's uh, that's very different than Paris. When you spend time in New Orleans, how do mm-hmm. you pass the time between meals? Because I have a rough time. I mean, that's the question that I feel like I have to ask myself every day. <laughs> like, it's not just New Orleans. That's it's like, a good how point. Passing, I'm at home. How do I pass the time between meals? Right now. I'm in Paris. How do I t- pass the time between meals? Like, I, I, there's, only, there's only so much Rodin you can look at. Yeah. I mean, 
<laughs> New Orleans, I feel like is a little, a little bit different because you could grab like, you know, you go, you have breakfast and then you can get like oysters and Bloody Marys in between. And I feel like that's such a like kind of thing that we would do is like have your breakfast and then like a little oyster happy hour or something or whatever between, between meals. But then even then, like then lunch and then grabbing like beignets and, and coffee and then chilling in the park or just wa- like kind of wandering around. I feel like yep. there's so much to do. And there's so much music in New Orleans, like on the streets that if you just sit in a park, you can just enjoy like the sounds of New Orleans. That's a great response that I didn't actually expect or think through because I feel the same exact way. So what do you <laughs> yeah. do between meals in New Orleans? Well, I eat. I eat. Yeah, <laughs> I eat a lot. I'm a big eater. <laughs> the thing that makes New Orleans unique is you don't really have to try that hard because yeah. yes, you can grab a snack, but you can grab that snack with the soundtrack. Uh, Stephanie, we've reached the point in the show where mm-hmm. I ask you to fill in five blanks. You good? I'm nervous, but I'm ready. <laughs> Don't be nervous. This, this is a fun yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> Blank will be my last meal. Oh, that's hard. Um, Mac and cheese. I cook blank to impress people. Steak. Oh, wait, can I have a second answer? I have two. Yeah. Either, either steak, like a steak dinner or uh, like spaghetti carbonara. Uh, would you ever consider both? Yes. <laughs> now, would, it, would that be steak with a side of carbonara or would that be carbonara with an entree of steak? Yeah, probably steak with a side of carbonara. That would be my how I would like menu it. If I were making a menu, that would be how I would place it. <laughs> OK, so this next one, this is where I think you challenged yourself. Okay. I cook blank to comfort myself. Oh, boom. You know, it's fettuccine, probably fettuccine Alfredo. Like I'll make an Alfredo sauce. There's a pasta theme happening here. You can sense that I have a thing for pasta. And what you're referring to is yet another form of mac and cheese. Are you not? I mean, true. Pasta and cheese. A cheese sauce, pasta. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that question often trips somebody up because they're like, well, I just I just told you what I was going to eat before they kill me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I would. That's when I need the most comfort. What I think of like <laughs> mac and cheese is like like with a really good like bechamel like sauce. And even then I was thinking like if it had like a jalapeno breadcrumb kind of thing going on, like a spicy mac and cheese. I find mac and cheese is one of those, one of those canvases, those, those of late, let's say the last decade and a half where people just kind of gone nuts with it, where they, they, you know, if it's mac and cheese, well, I can add, like you said, jalapenos into the breadcrumbs, or I can toss some lobster in there, make it a a bacon coated mac and cheese or deep fry fry hunks of it after it cools down. Like that's mac and cheese. That's mac and cheese. But when you say I'm going to have a fettuccine Alfredo, that's like, it brings it back to a purer format. If I were to say the difference between comfort food and like my last meal, like I would still want my last meal to have um, something. I wanted to be comforting, but I also wanted to have a kick. <laughs> I want my last meal to be a 72 course affair. Oh, that's also true. That's fair. I'm going to try to delay it. I don't think people like to admit this because they spend, you know, a lot of money. They drop major coin on some, you know, uh, 16 course, uh, three Michelin star. Right, 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 right. And you, and you get to course eight and you're like, oh, f-. there's more. I can't do it. Yeah. I, I just spent $475 on this night yeah. and we're having an anniversary, whatever, whatever. And right. I, I can't do it. Yeah. It's, I, you know, I lucked out because it was like my friend worked at a, 
at like a really nice restaurant in the city. And he, it was his birthday. And mm-hmm. so he invited all of us out. And that was oddly one of the cheapest meals I've also ever had. <laughs> I, but cause I'm with you. Like, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could justify spending that much money on like a, on that kind of dinner, especially cause everything, you know, comes, it's always like small, like, you know, all these little things. And it's like, I just want to eat. Like, I'm, I just want to eat. Like, I don't want to have to worry about the next thing that comes out. I just like, like food to me is also something that's like, it's social and it's, so it's like, I like the food to come out and then everyone can eat and talk and like have wine and like, but you know, it, it feels some, like something you do with family and friends as yeah. opposed to like eating and then sitting and waiting for your next course to come yeah. out. Like fine dining to me is also something that feels very strange. Well, let me, let me tell you something. I, in an ironic twist, I've also had one of the best eating experiences where it was very, very expensive. And that's, that's not what I'm trying to tout. Jessica and I were in Tokyo. Yeah. And we did a Kobe beef tasting. Oh, yeah. But but <laughs> but it was a hot pot affair. So it's, you know, one of these tables that uh, that have the cauldron in the middle yep. and you're and the different soups on either side of the cauldron. And you're mm-hmm. brought we were brought, you know, course after course of the most thinly. And by the way, I'm not a beef guy necessarily. I'm definitely not a steak guy. And I very okay. seldom uh, right now, I'm not even eating meat, I'm just eating fish. But in, in previous right previous lives or for special occasions, I will go right. ahead and eat the, uh, the mammals. We're, we're doing this Kobe beef tasting and I had had Kobe beef exactly once in my life. And we mm-hmm. were like, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. We knew that it wasn't yeah. cheap. We knew that it was going to be an adventure. And yet both of us have had that experience where you go into a multi-course meal, a little bit reticent because you don't want to get to course eight of 20 and go, oh man, I'm yeah. full, falling asleep. In the done. Soup. And, and uh, my God, I will say that it was completely worth it. And yeah, I was hungry for dessert at the end. And by the way, it was oh, wow. not, it was not a beef dessert. <laughs> the one food I would erase from the earth is blank shrimp. What? I hate shrimp. I hate it. Oh my God. I know. I know. I knew it was going to be a little bit of a, I don't like shrimp. I do not mind if shrimp is in stuff. I'm not that picky, but I do not like eating shrimp, like shrimp cocktail, just shrimp in general, like when I like shrimp tails are like, it all freaks me out. I don't like it. I don't think of shrimp as a divisive food. However, I I respect people's likes and dislikes. I I have to ask this question. Is it the creep factor, the exoskeleton or the taste or texture? It's a texture thing. Texture thing. How do you feel Mm -hmm. about lobster? I'm fine with lobster. (sighs) It's okay. I know. You're going to have to, you're going to have to tell me more. How do you feel about scallops? Um... I actually don't know if I've had scallops. No, I, I don't think you would like a scallop. Not if it's cooked right. Right. I, I would I would eat scallops. Here's the thing. I'll try anything. Like, I like snails. <laughs> like, I've eaten, like, escargot. I like oysters in all forms, like raw oysters. I like mussels. I like, but I tolerate lobster. Like, I don't love lobster. I would never order lobster. I would never oh, order a lobster. Wow. Um, I like crab more than I like lobster. Okay. Though I, I got it. I'll hand it to you. This is the texture, yeah. the texture of shrimp. I, I that's uh, that makes you unique. Blank is for dinner tonight. You know, and I don't know. It's funny because it's Monday and Monday is my grocery shopping day. So I have to go to the grocery store. It might be a leftover kind of day. And I did make like a um, sausage and pepper deal last night uh, with like a rigatoni. And I would prob- I'll probably eat that for dinner tonight. Sweet. Because you you and I both know, and everybody listening really does know, 
that pasta the next day. That's going to taste awesome. It's even better. Well, Stephanie, this has been fantastic. Yeah, this is fun. My little trip down memory lane. If I can offer someone that journey down memory lane, that, that's all I can uh, That's all I can ask for, particularly if it's as delicious as you laid out. My God, you know, Memphis, New Orleans, uh, just two spectacular, spectacular places to eat. And now I'm hungry because, you know, I'm in that in between of breakfast and, and lunch. <laughs> now it's time for oyster happy hour. No. Yeah, it's time for the oyster happy hour. Gotta get my, my Bloody Marys and my oysters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see you, Steph. All right, bye. To all of you wonderful, intelligent listeners out there, remember to subscribe to this show, follow me on Instagram, and find our books with your favorite seller. Those are One Pan to Rule Them All, Kiss My Casserole, How to Cook Anything in Your Dutch Oven, Chinese Street Food, and the forthcoming Off the Top of My Head, Recipes, Rants, and Ravings of an American Cook Obsessing in Barcelona. Until next time, stay saucy and eat well.